the scripture reading for today is 1 Kings 17, 7 to 16. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar, and a little oil in a, in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And as she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Uh, you know the drill as we uh, worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we worship the Lord not only as an individual uh, child or children of God, but as a community with the brothers and sisters. Uh, therefore, those of you who are here physically, I want you to uh, just go around or walk around and say hello to at least 10 people and say, God bless you. May God shine his light on you. So can we do that? Especially those that you may not be familiar with. And those who are worshiping online, uh, you can do that with your family members. Please do so. And if you are worshiping alone, virtually, uh, you can also uh, just bless our congregation members at this time. If you're done, you may be seated. <clears throat> There's a reason why I ask you to walk around and say hello to at least 10 people that you are not comfortable with. Uh, today's title is God's Advanced Training Through People. Uh, so this was a part of the training uh, that we need one another and we need to uh, really sharpen one another in the context of relationship and one another. So God's spiritual training always requires relationship and people. God brings people in order to train our faith, our character, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we have to understand that God's training never stops not only in younger days or young adult days, but God's training uh, never stops until uh, the day that we meet our Lord Jesus Christ face 
to face. Going back to last Sunday, uh, we heard the message where that God kind of isolated Elijah uh, so that he will be alone with God, one-on-one, so that he will be able to hide in the presence of God. And from that hiding, Elijah was able to receive provision of God's grace daily, humbly, and abundantly at the brook of Cherith. That was a place where Elijah had to go through training alone for three years. But today's passage begins by saying that even that brook of Cherith dries up. Because as God spoke to Elijah that there will be no rain, there will be no dew. So because there was no rain, uh, the brook eventually dries up. And that was a natural outcome. There was no exception even with Elijah, who was the prophet, a child of God. Brothers and sisters, as we go through pandemic or difficulties in our lives, uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Even though we are the followers of Jesus Christ, we have to go through a certain training and hardship. And even our own well, even our own brook may get dried up. And what was Elijah thinking, you know, watching the brook eventually drying up? Because that was a place where he heard the voice of God, and that was a place where he was experiencing divine daily provision. Probably he was going through a dilemma in his heart, should I stay here? Or should I go back to place Gilead, where it was Elijah's hometown, where he was born and raised, his own comfort zone. Because when things are being dried up, we go through a struggle. Should I remain? Should I hang in there? Or should I go back to the familiar comfort zone where I feel more comfortable and where I can provide on my own? But in this juncture, God leads Elijah to completely to another unknown new place. When things get dried up, when we feel like things are running dry, it is not the end, but it is a beginning of God's training in for a different purpose. It was an unexpected place where God called Elijah, and he's not just doing training, but now it's called advanced training. I'm just getting tired of training, like you finish your training, but the next level, there's advanced training. It's like when you finish your study in your university, you have to go through a co-op, or you have to go through internship. You finish internship, and then that's not it. You go through residency. And you feel like you have done with the training, uh, trusting in God, you know, believing in God, fixing your eyes on God, and yet God brings people. And now God is saying, Elijah, you know, you, you are going, you're gone through training alone. And I am enough. I am sufficient for you. But Elijah, that's not enough. Now I am calling you out of that isolation and I'm going to Make sure you go through advanced training with people. Probably last Sunday, those of you who love to be alone in this season, 
And even still now at home, you feel like, I don't, I don't want to see people. It's like last Sunday message was like, yeah, you see, I'm hiding in the presence of God. God is enough. I don't need to see any of you. It's like, yeah, amen, amen. And if that is a season, praise the Lord. You know what? Hide in the presence of God. But eventually, sooner or later, God will call you out of that hiding place. And God is bringing Elijah out of this isolation. And now, in the context of relationship, and there are certain portions of training that you need people. You need other people for you to be sharpened. So there are two types of training. You know, God alone is enough, yes. But the second layer of training is that now being pruned and going through training through the context of relationship with other people. So what are some of the trainings that God is putting Elijah under? What are some of the training or some of the purposes of training that God is placing us into certain relationship? Number one is a training of purification. God wants to purify us. And this happens in the context of relationship or other people. In verse 9, it says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Very interesting because in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, whenever has a location, has a name, the name has its own meaning, significance. So last Sunday, when Elijah was led to the brook called Cherith, it meant isolate, being cut off. And there, Elijah was being isolated and cut off. But this particular passage, the place called Zarephath, it literally means refining purifying. So God called Elijah to go to Zarephath in order to be refined and to be pruned, purified. Just like a silversmith, you know, sharpening the knife, not only putting it into the fire, but also you need to put it into the water. There has to be testing, but also there has to be refining. There is a process where God is sharpening, but also there's a place where God is refining and making it stronger as well. So what we have to understand is that God's complete training will never will be done alone. It has to be put to the test in the context of relationship in community with other people. If not, you know, God could easily provide, you know what, I don't care about other places, but Brooke, where Elijah was staying, it will never run dry. If God wills it, it will run. Isn't that true? Because in today's passage, the flour and oil will never run dry. And that's a miracle. So God is performing miracle in this story through the widow. So if God wanted, Elijah never had to leave the brook because the water will never run dry. But God intentionally made this brook to run dry so that he has to go to Jarephath. And in the context of relationship with other human beings, God will prune and God will purify Elijah. In the same way, brothers and sisters, God placed certain people, individual, 
It could be your spouse. If you're worshiping with your spouse, turn to your spouse and say, Ah, that's why God brought you. That's why God brought your spouse into your life because you need to be purified. When things are more adjusting, you know, God will give you children to purify you. God will bring even friends or co-worker, even boss, even grandchildren, so that God will continually humble you and purify you. I mean, everyone thinks that we are capable and we can do things well. And I remember one of the pastors, you know, jokingly said, you know what, I can do ministry so well if there's no congregation members. It's like, what? <laughs> I can preach, you know, I can do everything if there's no one that, who gives me a heartache. But parents, is that true? Like, you can be amazing parents when you have no children. Life group leaders, you, know, you can do your you know, best ability if you have no small group members, right? In theory, you know how to do it. In ministry, you know how to do it until, you know, God plays certain individuals. When I was a youth pastor, I thought I could be the best youth pastor. Until I began to have a teenager, children of my own. You see, we think that alone we can do everything. You know, God is enough, and we're called, and we have skill, we have experience. We can judge other people who's good, who's bad, until God brings people. And that's when things get complicated, and you cannot even control yourself. So how dare you to control and change other people? That's why God brings us in the context of relationship at one another in order to Purify our lives. If you think about it, what's easier? You know, working with a raven, you know, bird bringing, or dealing with this widow in Sidon who does not even know God, who is so broken, who is so poor. You may not be able to relate with raven, but like maybe some of you are like, you know what, Ugh, my pet is everything. You know, I'd just rather be with my pet, dog. It's easier because they don't fight back, right? It's like another human being is like heartache, complicated. You see, dealing with raven, you know, requires humility, but it's a lot easier because you don't need to talk to raven, and they don't talk back, and they don't betray you. They don't break your heart. But... Another human being, you know, God brings intentionally. It is advanced training where the God is making our character, shaping, molding, and sharpening our vision. So, Francis, if you feel like you are in the context of this advanced training, rather than being bitter or complaining, maybe asking this question, God, what are you right now training in my character? What are you training in my faith journey in this juncture through that person? Because there are a lot of people who try to just avoid or run away out of those relationships. When you go to a small group and you don't get along with the one person, just quit and move on to another small group. 
or jump into another church or break a relationship and then easily just try to pursue some other relationship. Yes, some of the simple destructive relationships, you may need to take a break. And yet, some of the relationships that God has specifically intentionally called you to shape you and mold you, and if you are continually quitting, breaking up, and running away, avoiding, you will never be pruned, and you will never be able to cultivate certain character which you knew, need in order to glorify God and to make impact in other people's lives. And you will never grow mature. You will always remain shallow, doing things on your own, not being able to embrace other people, not being able to serve other people with Christ-like love and character. Maybe God has placed you to under, working on their boss, you know, who is like really giving you a hard time for no reason. Like you try to do well and then give you even more difficult time. I mean, God is giving you the context where you are going through like this unfair treatment. But rather than you know, being bitter and complaining, but maybe in that season, God is training you so that later when you become that person, you will be able to serve other people differently. You know, there are seasons where also I have to work with people, not over, but even pure or even under. And not everyone may follow my own standard or expectation. There are people who may exceed more than what I expect, and there are people who underperform. But rather than simply, like, you know what, let go or, you know, do treat them with my own standard or my temperament, maybe God is training me in that season to be a bigger person so that I can help this person to continue to grow out of the season, season as well. So this is the training of purifying us. Number two, the training of stretching our knowledge of God. What do I mean by this? It is very interesting because Elijah is being prepared right now, going through training for spiritual warfare. Now he is speaking against King Ahab, who was idol worshiper of Baal. And he will encounter spiritual warfare with these false gods from Baal. So eating and praying and thinking about this spiritual warfare, right? And he will be fighting against the enemy or the, uh, the idol of Baal. Now, very interesting because God calls Elijah now to go to the land of Sidon. Do you remember land of Sidon two weeks ago? The queen Jezebel came from Sidon. She was a prince, princess of Sidon. Sidon was the headquarter of Baal. Land of Sidon was a place where it was like overflowing with this false god. Baal worshiping place and city. So why would God call Elijah to go to that place where 
the very enemy or the false god that he will be confronting and fighting against. It's like a home of enemy. It was very intentional because God wanted to show that I am bigger than Israel. My power, my promise will even go to the place of Baal-worshipping place where if they obey my word, if they come to me, I can bless them. It's like Jonah, like a missional message here because Jonah, the prophet goes to Nineveh where the people were sinning against God and yet if they repent, that God will spare their lives and God will shine his face upon them. There is no exception in the land of Sidon. God is never limited in Israel. The problem was Israelites, even though they were disobeying God, they were limiting God as well. You know, God is just our God. You know, God is God of our own frame. God is God of our own box. God works here, but not in Sidon. It's like God works in my life. God works in, in our church, but not outside. Does God work in your company even though there is no one, absolutely no one, only you are the followers of Jesus Christ and no one worships the Lord. No one fears God, but does God still work and reveal his presence, his promise? Yes. God is bigger. God's presence goes there as well. God's presence in your dorm, God's presence in your school, God's presence even when you're working and surrounded with all these people who may not worship God. That's what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, in the New Testament. Jesus was pointing out these Gentiles who experienced God when Israelites were limiting God. Luke chapter 4, verse 26 to 27, Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was clean, cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. You know what Jesus is saying is that, you know what? Those insiders, Israelites, they were not the one experiencing God and being cleansed, but outsider, widow, who responded to the word of the Lord, end up being healed, end up experiencing God's provision. Israelites were sinners, so are Sidonians. There is no exception. Whether you've been Christian all of your life or you just came for the first time, there is no exception. It doesn't make you more deserving or less deserving. But the question is, are we able to respond to God today? And when we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's grace, even if our life was like dark, like silent, spiritually dark, emotionally dark, and yet still 
flows through. Even land of Sidon, where you think that that's the least place where that you will experience God's grace and God's provision. The least is a place where you expect, if you fix your eyes on God and respond to him, you will experience God's power. The lowest, the lowest life journey you may be in right now, you can still experience if you respond to God's word. Problem is, many of us will limit God and we limit to the way that we experienced God in the past. Think about it. Elijah experienced God's provision in the brook of Cherith. Three years daily. Amazing provision. You know what? That is real. You need to thank the Lord. But now God is saying, Elijah, that time is done. I want you to now move on to the next advanced training or journey. But can you imagine Elijah said, you know what? I experienced God in this brook and I will stay here forever. That he would not experience God in a new way, new season. And yet I, I, I see that happening many, many times. You know, people, maybe you experienced God in the past, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and that was real. We're not denying it. Maybe you experienced God in a certain mission field. Maybe God had showed you something great in your previous church, previous stage of your spiritual growth, and praise God. You need to affirm that. You need to honor God. But God is saying, you know what? And that was then, and I am going to take you to new journey. And there is a season that I provided you through the brook, but now you need to go to another place. And there was an article in a secular journal, Harvard Business Review. It was a very interesting uh, article. And what it's saying is this, don't stick to your story. Most of us have personal narratives about defining moments that taught us important lessons. Consciously or not, we allow our stories and the images of ourselves that they paint to guide us in new situations. But the stories can become outdated as we grow. So sometimes it's necessary to alter them dramatically or even to throw them out and start from scratch. Because when we continually just stick to our old story, we get stuck. And there are many of us who try to stick and we get stuck. Brothers and sisters, maybe some of us were still stuck at the brook stage. And God has placed us in Sidon, but we keep talking about church. But God wants us to stretch. And God wants to encounter us in a new way, in a new season. Maybe that is a season where the God is right now inviting you to. 
Lastly, making us to realize there is more than life. And this is the most toughest advanced training. You know, God had reason why Eliza going to this widow who was poor. It was not simply providing for Elijah's personal need, but God had the intention of blessing this widow. Because if he was simply providing Elijah, God could have done it. But also, if God needed people to bless Elijah, you know what, I, I can think about Gentiles who could be wealthy, right? Like, for example, Book of Acts, Cornelius, wealthy man. Roman centurion, wealthy man. So why not like taking Elijah to this wealthy, God-fearing Gentile? Why this widow who was so poor, like only one meal to eat, and then she was thinking about starving to death, you know, starving to death. During this famine, during this recession. But in verse 13, we see that God wanted to really bless this widow and make himself known so that even the last portion of oil and flour that God was inviting this widow to bring it, in verse 13, bring it to me, bring it to me through Elijah. God didn't do that in order to take everything away. That's not, that's not the God that we believe. You know, when God say, bring it to me, it's not that God wants to now take everything from you and then somehow like make you like, you know, fall apart or like you're bankrupt. No, God is saying, bring it to me because when we keep it to ourselves, we consume But when we bring it to God, God multiplies. Because you and I, we're limited. We are consumers, so we consume. Everything that we use, we consume. But when we bring it to God, God multiplies. Think about your time. Your time was so fast. You know, when you... Just live your life. You know, time runs out. You're consuming your life. But when you are bringing to God and being used by God, you are multiplying because there are spiritual fruits that you're bearing. It is very important, brothers and sisters, your life, you, your time is running. And if you live for yourself, your time will be still running and you will consume your life. But when you bring it to God and being used by God, your time will multiply into other people's lives for the glory of God. That's why young students, you know, I know you're busy. You have a lot of classes. You have exam. And, but before you study, before you write your paper, even if it's a 10 minutes or 20 minutes, commit that study into the hands of God and you, you do quiet time. You read scripture. You pray before the Lord. You commit your time. Bring it to me and God multiplies. 
Same thing with your youth. Same thing with your children. Same thing with your career. Same thing with the finance. And I remember when my wife and I, we got married here and we went to California. And both of us were studying, of course. You know, we, I, we shared this a lot a while ago when we just arrived at New Hope. And there was a season where God was like training us to trust him, providing, even financially. You know, paying like two full-time students uh, was not easy, raising children. And I had a part-time, you know, pastoral position. It was, it's not enough. And there was a season where, like, in our bank account, like, less than $10, right? And we have to survive for the next how many days? And in that season, God was training to really surrender and let go and even giving God, surrendering our finance. Because every month when I get paid from church, it's like, there are, nowadays like we do weekly, you know, tithing. But it's like, used to be once a month tithing. It's like, when you get check and the first Sunday, is like a dilemma. Because when you give that portion, you know, like third week, fourth week, you're going to be struggling. But bringing to God, and that was a promise that God has like reminded us again and again. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here, and that's not point. But for us, I think in that season, that was a training. But I realized that God had a bigger purpose than just our family, because after that training, we came back, and as I was serving at New Hope, you know, God was testing our New Hope with finance. Don't you remember, you know, the moment, the year that we decided to go independent? You know what, let's not get budget from KM anymore. Let's go on our own. Let's be independent. Let's go in faith. We were short in our budget. And I remember with our leadership team, like, we're staying up until midnight. Can we really do this? Pastor Jason, we may not be able to really pay your salary. <laughs> but you know what? Let's give it a try. Let's give it a try because we're not kids. We're not youth group. We're not young adults. We're adults. And I remember that following year, God provided exactly the amount that we needed. And then to go beyond, we start having surplus. Or I remember that moment like when we had the surplus. Our KM was going through a financial difficulty and we had a meeting. Should we give this to KM? It's like, oh, if we had the surplus remaining for next year, we would do a lot better. But you know what? We're a nonprofit. We're not making profit. Let's just give to, and let's send some portion to missions. So we did it. And the following year, God provided again. So anything that God pours out beyond, we give our way again. And each year we saw the providence of God. That it, it is not about us. But it's really about being used by God 
and pour out whatever that God has provided for us so that we can be a channel of blessing, not for our own needs, but also meeting other people's needs. In verse 14, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. When you bring it to God, see, we know, theoretically, theologically we know, right? God provides, God multiplies, but it is darn difficult when it comes to practice. We don't mind giving God leftover. I'm not just talking about finance here. Time. We don't mind giving God after with everything else, and there's time left, so like nothing else to do. Okay, give to God. But when God said, bring it to me, one and only, one thing that you are cherishing, and that's all you are left with. But in verse 15 and 16, what it says, and she went and did Eliza said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Our God is good. But brothers and sisters, it does not end here. Because our God is bigger than just providing our needs. And this God had a bigger picture than just training in this. What happens? Okay, daily provision, great. Thank you, God. We're happy. But then this widow's son dies. This woman was angry, furious, resentful. In verse 18, she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. When she lost her son, she was blaming Elijah and God of Elijah. That's what happened when we just encounter God, just like, Provision, you know, God who provides, God who protects. But God had a bigger purpose. Because God, through Elijah, raised the son who was dead. And I'm not saying now all the dead people will be raised, that's not, but in this particular story, God wanted to show this woman that God is bigger than life. Not just daily provision. Our God is not just God who cares for you and daily provides, but God who is the giver of your life and who is perfecter of your life. Who is a source and who is the owner and author of your life. In God, there's eternal life. And that is the most difficult and yet blessed training.
In verse 24, and the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Brothers and sisters, you see, more than provision, the best lesson, most important lesson is that God is the owner and author of your life. Through Jesus Christ, there's eternal life and resurrection. That's what our Christian life is all about. It's not about, Lord, help me to go through this season. Help me to do better in this season. Those are important. But the best training for us to surrender our life to God. That God is bigger than our life. That's when we can be blessed to make impact in other people's lives. That's why we don't try to protect our life and then we lose our soul. But that's when we surrender our lives and then we gain eternal life. Let me conclude today's message. Brothers and sisters, what is God doing in you? What kind of advanced training that you're going through in this season? Is God training, purifying you? through a certain person it's tough isn't it is God stretching you in a new season are you going through life and death struggle but to recognize that our God is in charge and control of your life so may we learn all the lessons through given relationships in our lives. So let's close our eyes and spend some time in prayer. God loves you. That's why God put you in a training setting. Maybe some of you, maybe you're old and you, know, you feel like, you know, I should have been done with, with this, but why still now? What? But two weeks ago, you know, our founding emeritus, you know, belated, you know, Reverend Park, you know, he passed summer and then his wife, you know, she was leaving Vancouver. And I remember, you know, she was saying, at the age of 90, you know, God is putting me into new training, like, which is uh, eternal life, getting ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if she was saying at the age of 90, you know, going through that training, there is no exception in this room. So let's just uh, spend some time. Lord, teach us. Show us. Stretch us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving Elijah, but also more than Elijah, you love this widow. You wanted to show who you are, that you are bigger, and you are the God that she was able to trust and experience. Lord, many times we feel like we're that person, and we need you in this season. Lord, Hold us. 
lead us, walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray.